This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 79, Traveling Toastmaster, your international network awaits, with our guest, distinguished Toastmaster and past district governor, Naomi Takeuchi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. We're having our first live guest for 2017. Well, not exactly live, but on the line. As many of you might recall, we did our last episode was our 10th anniversary episode of Toastcaster, and we want to thank everyone for continuing to listen and sending in your comments and your feedback. Today, we're going to talk about something really interesting, something we probably never talked about, except if you go back to episode 10 of Toastcaster back in 2008, when we talked about Toastmasters for the holidays, places that you can go, places that you can visit when you're on the road, including specifically Toastmasters clubs. But today we're going to be talking about Toastmasters, your international network awaits you. Our guest today is Naomi Takeuchi. She's from Santa Rosa, California, previously from Charlotte, North Carolina. She is a past district governor. She's been a Toastmaster since 2005, a distinguished Toastmaster. She's the president and CEO of 1000 Cranes LLC. She's a consultant to nonprofits. She does leadership development programs, strategic planning, and a whole bunch of other wonderful things. In fact, I've known Naomi since 2010, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Naomi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here and great to reconnect with you. I was just looking at the numbers from Toastmasters International with Toastmasters being in 144 countries and I think over a third of a million Toastmasters. We've got Toastmasters all around the world. And I know by following you as a Facebook friend that you go all over the place, both for your business and for Toastmasters. And so I thought, wow, why don't we have an episode where we talk about Toastmasters International in the traveling sense? So I thought, hey, you'd be a perfect guest for the podcast. Well, thank you, Greg. And it's interesting to see that you're stalking me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to say that. Oh, come on. That's okay. No, I think we all have a little bit of stalking within all of us because that's what Facebook and social media does is that we share where we are and then people respond about that. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that at least some of my posts when I go internationally that you find them interesting and intriguing. It's always interesting. Many people have heard of Where's Waldo, where I'm thinking, okay, where's Naomi? Where is she going to be? Where where is she traveling to? And what kind of Toastmasters clubs is she visiting? And and where is she going to be speaking? So I just thought, again, it would be perfect. I should come up with the hashtag, which is Where's Naomi Now? (laughs) Yeah, that actually might be pretty good. Well, it's interesting how we met. We met in Palm Desert, I think it was in 2010. Mm -hmm. At that time, you were the... Lieutenant Governor of Marketing, which is now called the Club Growth Director for District 37. Why don't you share that story? One of the things that I love about Toastmasters is that you have a chance to have these themes, at least at the time. Our Toastmasters district, District 37 in North Carolina, which is the entire state of North Carolina. That's our identity. And at the time, Sharon Anita Hill, who is our district governor, had created the theme, It's Toastmasters, Baby. And jokingly, the three of us, that was Sharon Anita Hill, Brian Walsh, and myself, the three of us would go around saying, hey, it's Toastmasters, baby. And when I had been asked by Chris Ford to read 
the mission statement of Toastmasters. I happened to have my laptop at the time, so I pulled it up and I read it. And I just kind of off the cuff, I stood up and I said, it's Toastmasters, baby, <laughs> after I read that. <laughs> and that's how I got your attention because I hadn't met you. I saw the booth or the table that you had at the conference where you were doing some of the podcasting live. And you approached me after that and you said, what's this theme you have? Tell us more about that. And that's when you had invited the trio to come on your Toastcaster podcast. And that was a lot of fun. Well, that's right. I forgot about that. At that point, I was just the guest on the Toastmasters International podcast. I hadn't yet been part of that team. But I thought it was really, really intriguing. And I thought it would make a really, really good podcast. In fact, that was Toastcaster number 33, I believe. And that was back in 2010. It was a lot of fun. And for those of you who listen to it, you'll hear how much fun all three of us had with you. <laughs> Our subject for today, Toastmasters, your international network awaits. And I have to admit, I plagiarized that from your your story. That story appears in the heart of a Toastmaster. That's the compilation put together by Cheryl Rausch. There's 135 stories of Toastmasters in that book. In fact, you're on the front cover as well. So tell us a little bit about your story, <laughs> and I think that would probably lead nicely into the rest of our conversation. Sure. One of the things that Cheryl did, which was fabulous, is she went out to everybody within Toastmasters and said, please submit a story with regard to how Toastmasters has changed your life. And when you read that book, there are so many different stories from people who have been mentors to others, to people who have found their voice and confidence by being a Toastmaster. And when I thought about how did Toastmasters change my life and how has it influenced me, for me it was the whole network of friends and colleagues that I've met through being a Toastmaster. It's only a one-page story. In fact, you had mentioned I'm on the front cover, and it's hilariously people will say, oh, I love your book. And I keep having to correct them. I say, it's not my book. There's so many people who contributed to it. They just happen to put my picture on the front cover. And so mine is on page 51, for those of you who are listening to this. In that story, I talk about how if it wasn't for Toastmasters, I would not have this international network of friends around the world. And I can pretty much travel to any country, with the exception of maybe Antarctica, find a Toastmasters club and have a chance to participate. So one of the advantages of having my own company is that I have the flexibility to adjust my schedule. And many people who work for traditional companies are limited to just a couple weeks vacation. I have, I can go anywhere I want, which is great. One of the great things about visiting overseas is that when I gave a speech in New Zealand, it turns out that I created some great business partnerships there. And one of them is with Kingy Biddle. Kingy Biddle is doing some Maori translations for me, and Maori is the native language of New Zealand. And had I not gone to New Zealand, I would have never had that opportunity to create that partnership. So I would say the other part of being a part of Toastmasters is you can join other district clubs. And because I have now a company that I created in New Zealand in January of this year, I also decided to join a couple clubs there. So it's one thing to think about is don't just go visit the country that you can also become a member to. Oh, that's incredible. Typically people <laughs> <laughs> typically people go somewhere, they'll visit, they'll take pictures, maybe they'll meet a few people and go home. You've created a whole new world for yourself. That's true. And I will say that because I am able to use Skype, 
or GoToMeeting or some of these other tools. And that's the beauty of having all of this technology is that I stay connected to all of my New Zealand friends, too, through Toastmasters. So you're really a Toastmasters international member. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's several of us. There's several people who are members of multiple clubs in multiple countries. Oh, cool. So, of course, you're in the United States. I'm in Canada. So we're, we're making reference to the across the Pacific Ocean. You've had a few other adventures there. I know we spoke about one that you had in China. Tell us about that. Oh, China was really a lot of fun. And I was so happy to have a chance to go to a part. I mentioned I'm half Japanese and half Chinese. I'd never been to China. And I was invited by both the district director at the time as well as the lieutenant governor of education and training to come as a speaker. And one of my favorite things about going to Chengdu, China, is that it's the home of the panda breeding center. (laughs) And pandas are the cutest little animals out there. (laughs) I had a chance to go there, and it so happens I was a speaker, a breakout education workshop speaker. And guess who the keynote speaker was for that district. No idea. Dan Rex. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. I had not planned that. And and so it was funny because they had approached me at a conference and they said, we would love to have you come speak in China. And that's when we started the conversation. So we had started this conversation in August at the convention. And then I came over to China in May of that year. And it turns out, so Dan Rex is at this conference, right? And they said, well, we've scheduled a tour of the Panda Breeding Center. So they set up two people to act as translators for us. And it was the four of us. So the two translator, myself and Dan Rex. (laughs) A private tour of the Panda Breeding Center for the four of us. For those of you who may not be aware, Dan Rex is our chief executive officer, chief executive officer for Toastmasters International. You go halfway across the world and go, hey, I know you. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan has always been very friendly with all of the district governors over time. And what's nice about this is having an opportunity to be able to get to know somebody in maybe a less formal environment, too. Because most of the time when you go to a Toastmasters event, because he's the president, he has all these responsibilities, he's busy, he's got all these other people he's got to attend to. To be able to just walk around in casual clothing around a panda breeding center slash sanctuary is just a great opportunity. And I love national parks and I love sanctuaries. So you find that you you do these travels, do you find that you find yourself connecting and staying in touch with them? Absolutely. In fact, sometimes One of the things I tell people is that a lot of people are afraid of social media, but sometimes social media is the way I first meet somebody, and then I meet them in person, and that turns out to be a really good friendship that ends up in other great opportunities later. And probably the best example of that is when I was traveling in Australia and New Zealand. That was in 2014. So I already talked about my New Zealand trip. When I was in Australia, I also had a chance to chat with somebody who was based in Melbourne, and that's Ian Murray. He and I had not met before. We were also communicating because we were on the chat channel during the Kuala Lumpur conference because that was broadcasted live, and I was happened to be on the chat channel, and so was he. So we met through the, both of those beans. And I said, you know, I'm planning to go to Melbourne in 2015, so we should connect for lunch sometime. So he coordinated a lunch. 
I got to meet several people in District 73 at that lunch. I happened to be traveling for the Melbourne Cup with my friends from Sydney. And so that's when Ian and I first met face-to-face, even though we had been communicating both through the Kuala Lumpur chat channel as well as Facebook. And then after meeting him, as you know, Greg, that your viewers probably don't know this, Ian had scheduled an education conference online, and several of his speakers were not able to join in. So he reached out to me, and he said, can you help me with this and participate, and I need a couple more speakers. And so I reached out to you in Canada, (laughs) 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 and I said, hey, Greg, I got an opportunity for you. (laughs) What are you doing on this date? And then I reached out to Jackie Bailey, who was out of Seattle, and she and I had both been district governors at the same time. So originally, Ian's conference was supposed to be all Australians. And then because he reached out to me through the Toastmasters network, he ended up having somebody in Charlotte and somebody in Canada and somebody in Seattle. His conference ended up being much more enriching for people participating because now you had three different viewpoints outside of the continent. And I think one thing that I I do love about this networking aspect is that because we have social media, we have email, we have all these different ways to connect, that's why it was so easy for me to reach out to you and to reach out to Jackie because we have all of these connections. Yes, I think I remember it was an issue, not an issue, but I remember the challenge we had with the time change. (laughs) It was like, okay, what time is it going to be where? Right, because at that time I was on the East Coast. And you're on mountain time, I believe. Yes. And then Jackie is Pacific time. For Melbourne, I believe it's Australian Eastern time. And so we had to make sure we had the right date and the right hours. And and Ian did a great job coordinating all of that. You and Ian have not met face-to-face yet. Now you have this connection because of this Toastmasters relationship. Yeah, that's right. We've talked a number of times online, and in fact, he's asked me questions. I've asked him questions, so we've made that connection, and hopefully we'll see him at an international convention coming up. Yeah, and I am so thankful that I've had a chance to just learn from so many Toastmasters around the world. I know in clubs, quite often, even within a district or within an area, you have clubs that have different cultures, they have different ways to do things. I would imagine that as you cross the world, sometimes you find that things are different, not only in different clubs, but in also in different countries. I didn't find it different at all. In fact, it doesn't matter which club you go to within the world. They all follow the same club experience. You still have prepared speeches. You still have table topics. You still have evaluations. I think one of the things that I noticed is that when I go to another club, they often ask me to be the general evaluator. And that's because I have a fresh set of eyes and that I can see what my observations are about how they're running their club. And I noticed that quite a few clubs overseas, they incorporate either a break, such as an afternoon tea or some sort of food refreshment. And then some other clubs, after the meeting, they also have almost a little networking hour afterwards. So my advice to people would be to, if you are going overseas, just be prepared that the meeting doesn't end when the meeting ends. <laughs> that that you, you might have another hour or two hours after the meeting where they're having a little social gathering. 
So just adjusting to that was took a little bit of time, but it it was still really enjoyable. Yeah, I experienced that in Montreal. It's like, oh, what do you mean you're not coming for dinner? We always go for dinner. In fact, right. <laughs> it was a club. I think there were 20 people, and I think 18 of them went for dinner. And I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> right. I hadn't planned for that. And that's why my first experience, I think, in India, in Bangalore, one of the things that they had celebrated was their 777th meeting. And so they had a huge celebration afterwards, but I hadn't known that they were going to have dinner afterwards. And I had already made plans. I had somebody picking me up at the hotel. I regretfully had to say, I'm sorry, I can't stay. I stayed for the entire meeting, and that was a two-hour meeting. And then they had dinner. And I wish I had known, because especially for a celebration like that, every speaker did their seventh speech in the competent communicator manual. So they had three speakers all doing project number seven. Oh, that's kind of cool. I know for me, I visited different clubs, and what I found is that some clubs, for example, when they hear the word of the day, some of them knock on the table, some Mm -hmm. of them actually clink glasses. I found myself finding things a little awkward. In fact, one club that I had visited during table topics, and it was an advanced club, they heckle the speaker. Oh. So in some respects, I found myself kind of like a fish out of water. So I kind of thought if you're going to different countries and they might have things that they do differently. Obviously, you just gave one example of having a a two-hour meeting plus a two-hour dinner. Well, I guess one of my favorites is if you go to England, a lot of their clubs meet in pubs because the pubs have these big meeting rooms underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You can be assured that after the club meeting's over, there's there's some pub activity afterwards. And that's been a lot of fun, too. (laughs) I had an inquiry from France, and it was a a young lady who was with the Toastmasters Club, and she was curious about our club and Mm -hmm. some of the things that we did, you know, having listened to the podcast. And what was interesting is when they were talking about budget for their clubs— they have wine <laughs> at their oh. meetings, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay. No, get out. <laughs> I'm sure they have lots of toasts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to add France to my list. <laughs> Absolument. Parlez-vous français? <laughs> I, yeah, well, and that's interesting you say parlez-vous français, because the clubs that I visited, several of them were dual language clubs. So I had a chance to go to London and sit in on a Russian-English club, Wow. We could probably even do a whole podcast on dual language clubs because Italy has a dual language club there. And I did go to Paris one time, but the schedule wasn't working with my travel plans. If you do speak a little bit of French, you can also practice your speaking skills there. We do have a French bilingual club here in Edmonton. In fact, Mm -hmm. a few years back, I did an icebreaker in French. Oh, nice. And I'm also a member of the... Latino Canadian Entrepreneurs Toastmasters, which I helped charter. Now, have to admit, I did not spearhead it. I sort of mm-hmm. helped from the Toastmaster side, but the co-sponsor, uh, her name is Marta Munoz, and she actually spearheaded that. I find myself, because I can speak French, a little bit of Italian, mm-hmm. adding Spanish that has a lot of similarities yet different, I find myself severely like a fish out of water. And it's also a great humbling experience when you go to a dual language club. And when I went to Italy and when I was in Milan, I had a chance to go to the Speak Easy Club. When I was speaking with them, they let me try my Italian on some of the evaluation piece. (laughs) In fact, I can't even remember some of my Italian. But what was interesting is that they had a couple speakers do the entire speech in English, and it was out of their comfort zone. And then for me to think about doing an entire speech in Italian would be out of my comfort zone. 
And it was a great way to show people that you can practice in either language and it's okay. And we're here to support you, which is all part of what Toastmasters is about. We're here to help each other overcome any fears you might have. But this whole idea of learning another language is also a, an aspect that I think I should probably explore a little bit more, but other people too should take advantage of that. I can imagine as to how special and what a different meaning it would be when you're doing it in that country. So as opposed to doing a French speech, instead of doing a speech in French or in Spanish in Canada or the U.S., actually doing it in Spain, doing it in Mexico, doing it in Italy. Exactly. And and that's another thing that you had mentioned, you know, maybe you should go to France, is that, you know, Mexico is not that far from California. So I should look at maybe, maybe I have an opportunity to try to give a speech in Spanish in Mexico. That would be cool. I went to Cabo and there's no, there's no Toastmasters clubs there. So there's an opportunity for you. <laughs> Start a club. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a club that is in Charlotte which is dual language, which is called Speak Mus. Speak Mus, I have had a chance to sit in on their meetings, and my Spanish isn't good enough to be a part of that, but I can appreciate more about what they are trying to do to help both Spanish speakers and English speakers accomplish the same thing. I think we've covered the world. Everyone who's a Toastmaster can be an international Toastmaster, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Where are some of the other places that you've been? I've mentioned most of them, but I guess since we have a Canadian on the line, I would probably say I've been to Vancouver and Toronto, visited clubs or been at conferences there. Been to Poland as well, in Krakow. Had a chance to visit there. Uh, Qatar as well, or Qatar, depending on how you pronounce it. Going to Qatar was also an experience that was overwhelming in the sense that I had an opportunity to visit a Middle Eastern country as a single woman traveling alone. And it was because of my Toastmasters network that I always felt safe and I always had friends and I had a chance to see things that I wouldn't be able to see if I didn't have my Toastmasters network. That's a great story. I know it's it's great when you visit places and you, they can share things with you that you're not aware of. I don't have too, too many international stories. I do have a couple. And one of them that sticks to mind I alluded to in at our opening with Toastmasters or Toastcaster podcast number 10, called Toastmasters for the Holidays. Mm -hmm. And I still recall traveling to your neck of the woods. I was going to Macworld Expo in San Francisco, and it was held at the Moscone Center. So what I did is I went online, and I reached out to a bunch of places, a bunch of clubs, and I got three responses, and it turned out that it was from the same club. And it just so happened that they were meeting mm -hmm. or two blocks or three blocks from where the conference was at the Moscone Center. And I got there a little early, and they even they even fed me. They refused to accept my money. <laughs> they said Canadian money's no good, and they even gave me a roll. I was the A counter. <laughs> but the best part was not only the meeting itself, which was great. I really enjoyed the meeting. But after the meeting, where we went out and yeah, you know, we had a few beverages, and we got to learn a little bit more about San Francisco, some of the places to to go, some of the things to see, and I got to meet some really phenomenal people. So. I think that's one thing that I also have been trying to be better about when I have guests coming from out of town or out of the country is that so many people, like you said, they treated me to dinner, they would take me to special museums, they wanted to share their culture. And like you said, you know, they said, no, you're our guest here. We don't want you to pay for anything. And that wasn't something I expected from them, but it was just part of what they wanted to do. 
And so I have tried really hard that when people come to our country, that we try as much as our, we can, whatever country you're part of, that you make sure you look after your friends. And I guess one little story, which is related to the convention in D.C., is that a part of our party got lost. We got separated from the main tour. There were two people from New Zealand and two people from Japan. And so myself and a friend of mine from District 53 in Boston, she went back to the bus and she and I were texting back and forth to each other and we called them the lost party. But I told them, I said, I wasn't going to leave you behind. Not after what all these people have done for me in Toastmasters. I said, I'm not going to leave, you know, two people from Tokyo and two people from New Zealand to just wander around the monuments of Washington, D.C. at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm going to take care of you. I was like, even if the bus goes away, I'd get you a taxi. I'd get you back to the hotel, but I'm not going to leave you behind. And I think that's a lesson all of us should think about is that we're a family And this is a Toastmasters network that we look after each other. So I'm really, really hoping that more people will do that as well whenever anybody from the Toastmasters network comes to visit you. Oh, that's great. I think we've now convinced anyone that's either heading on a business trip or heading out on holidays to check out a Toastmasters club that's going to be where they're going to be. Yes. With all this vast experience, perhaps we could end off with maybe a couple of tips you could offer the listeners in terms of them choosing to visit Toastmasters clubs at their destination? Well, one thing that I think is extremely important, and this is prior to your travels, is just stay connected to people. We have the upcoming conference in Vancouver is going to be a wonderful opportunity to network with all of these Toastmasters. You have conferences in other countries. If you have a chance to go to another conference, go attend one. And then, of course, social media. You have all the usual suspects, Facebook, LinkedIn. Some of you may be doing Instagram, Snapchat, others. There's so many different ways to stay connected. And, of course, the reliable email, too. So that would be my first tip is to stay connected to people. That's a great idea. If you just make the assumption that you've made a connection, you know, now it's we're in January and By April, sometimes things can change. What I found is occasionally information on the various websites is not updated or maybe the location changes. So absolutely, if for no other reason to stay connected, just to make sure if you're going somewhere, you get to the right place. Right. The second tip I would say is make sure you plan in advance. Usually when I reach out to people in other countries, I usually reach out two to three months ahead of time. And then make sure you get contact information as well. Right. You don't want to find yourself wandering around the monuments at midnight. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) All right. And I guess a third tip would be just be open to possibilities because sometimes you may plan your trip thinking, I need to go here on this day. I need to go another place. I found that if you can add a little flexibility in your schedule, that sometimes you'll have a chance to experience things that might even make your travels even better. That's awesome. Very sage advice. Now, we never know where you're going to be and when, (laughs) (laughs) unless we follow you on Facebook. (laughs) If people want to find out more about your travels or a little bit more about what you do, how would they get a hold of you? If you just reach out to me on Facebook, that'd probably be the first place to start. And if all else fails, what web address can they find you at? Well, my company website is 1000cranes.com. 
District 57 is d57tm.org. Awesome. Naomi Takeuchi, it's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Thank you, Greg, and always love chatting with you and catching up. Thank you for the opportunity. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.